Hello and welcome to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny, and today is Friday, August 18th, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. If this is your first time listening, I want to say welcome. My Daily Trivia is a 10-round quiz show with no specific themes, topics, or categories. We do, however, have a new episode every day, Monday through Friday, with each day getting progressively harder. So today is Friday, which means that today will be the hardest day of the week. But not to fear, if you find this episode to be a bit too much of a challenge, I encourage you to take the weekend off. Tune in again on Monday, where we will have an easy day for you again. So without further delay, let's get into today's round of questions with question number one. What is the term for a tropical cyclone that forms in the South Pacific and Indian Ocean, known as a hurricane in the Atlantic Ocean? And the answer there is a typhoon. Hurricanes and typhoons are the same weather phenomenon, tropical cyclones. A tropical cyclone is a generic term used by meteorologists to describe a rotating, organized system of clouds and thunderstorms that originates over tropical or subtropical waters and has closed low-level circulation. The weakest tropical cyclones are called tropical depressions. If a depression intensifies such that its maximum sustained wind reaches 39 miles per hour, the tropical cyclone becomes a tropical storm. Once a tropical cyclone reaches a maximum sustained winds of 74 miles per hour or higher, it is then classified as a hurricane, typhoon, or a tropical cyclone, depending upon where the storm originates in the world, in the North Atlantic, Central North Pacific, and Eastern North Pacific, the term hurricane is used. The same type of disturbance in the Northwest Pacific is called a typhoon. Meanwhile, in the South Pacific and Indian Ocean, the generic term tropical cyclone is used, regardless of the strength of the wind associated with the weather system. So once again, that is known as a typhoon. Moving on to question number two. Which Indian emperor who ruled during the Maurya dynasty is known for spreading Buddhism throughout India and beyond through his missionary efforts? And that emperor was named Ashoka. Now, quick disclaimer here. I may be mispronouncing a few things. I'm not uh, not too familiar with pronunciation of certain Indian words, so bear with me. But Ashoka, popularly known as Ashoka the Great, was the third Maurian emperor of Magadha in the Indian subcontinent uh, around circa 268 to 232 BCE. His empire covered a large part of the Indian subcontinent, stretching from present-day Afghanistan in the west to present-day Bangladesh in the east, with its capital at Pataliputra. Ashoka's edicts state that during the 8th regional year, that was around uh, 260 BCE, he conquered Kalinga after a brutal war. Ashoka subsequently devoted himself to the propagation of Dhamma, or righteous conduct, the major theme of the edicts. Ashoka's edicts suggest that a few years after the Kalinga War, he was gradually drawn towards Buddhism. 
Buddhists and other legends from across the subcontinent and beyond credits Ashoka with playing an important role in the spread of Buddhism across ancient Asia. A fun fact, the name Ashoka, that's A-S-H-O-K-A, literally means without sorrow. According to Ashoka Davada legend, his mother gave him this name because his birth removed her sorrows, which I thought to be quite nice. So once again, the Indian emperor known for spreading Buddhism, his name was Ashoka. Moving on to question number three. Which German beer law enacted in 1516 is one of the oldest food and beverage purity laws in the world and stipulates that beer can only be made from water, malt, and hops. And that beer law is known as the Reinheitsgebot. The Reinheitsgebot is a series of regulations limiting the ingredients in beer in Germany and the states of the former Holy Roman Empire. The best-known version of the law was adopted in Bavaria in 1516, but similar regulations predate the Bavarian order, and modern regulations also significantly differ from the 1516 Bavarian version, although today the Reinheitsgebot is mentioned in various texts about the history of beer. Historically, it was only applied to the Duchy of Bavaria, and from 1906 in Germany as a whole, and it had little or no effect in other countries or regions. According to the 1516 Bavarian law, the only ingredients that could be used in the production of beer were water, barley, and hops. The text does not mention yeast as an ingredient, although yeast was at the time knowingly used in the brewing process. However, it is likely that brewers of the time preferred to see yeast as a fixture of the brewing process. Now, the reason behind the Bavarian Order of 1516 was introduced in part to prevent price competition with bakers for wheat and rye. The restriction of grain to barley was meant to ensure the availability of affordable bread, as wheat and rye were reserved for use by bakers. The rule may have also been a protectionist rule, uh, as beer from northern Germany often contained additives that could not be grown in Bavaria. A fun fact, the word Reinheitsgebot literally means purity order, and quite frankly, I can't think of a more German word than, than the one that sounds like Reinheitsgebot and literally means purity order. It's just a wonderful German word if you ask me. Moving on to question number four. Who was the original lead singer of the rock band ACDC before passing away in 1980? And that lead singer was Ronald Belford Scott, better known as Bon Scott. Bon Scott was an Australian singer and songwriter. He was the lead vocalist and lyricist of the hard rock band ACDC from 1974 until his death in 1980. Scott formed his first band, the Spectres, in 1964 and became the band's drummer and occasional lead vocalist. 
He performed in several other bands, including The Valentines and Fraternity, before replacing original lead singer Dave Evans for ACDC in 1974. ACDC's popularity grew throughout the 1970s, initially in Australia and then internationally. Their 1979 album, Highway to Hell, reached the top 20 in the United States, and the band seemed on the verge of a commercial breakthrough. However, in on the 19th of February, 1980, Scott died after a night out in London with former musician and alleged drug dealer Alistair Kinnear. ACDC briefly considered disbanding, but the group recruited vocalist Brian Johnson of the British glam rock band Geordie. ACDC's subsequent album, Back in Black, was released only five months later and was a tribute to Scott. It went on to become the second best-selling album of all time. In the, in the July, July 2004 issue of Classic Rock, Scott was rated as the number one in a list of 100 greatest frontmen of all time. As a matter of fact, his gravesite in Fremantle, Australia, uh, it's on the west side by Perth, has become a cultural landmark. More than 28 years after Scott's death, the National Trust of Australia declared his grave important enough to be included on the list of classified heritage places. So, shout out to ACDC, shout out to Bond Scott. Moving on to question number five. What river is considered the holiest in India and is often referred to as the Ganja? And that river is, of course, the Ganges. The Ganges is a transboundary river of Asia, which flows for 1,500 miles, roughly 2,500 kilometers, through India and Bangladesh. Fed mostly by tributaries from the Himalayas, the Ganges is a lifeline to millions of people who live in its basin and depend on it for their daily needs. It has been important historically, with many former provincial or imperial capitals located on its banks or the banks of tributaries and connected waterways. The river is home to approximately 140 species of fish, 90 species of amphibians, and also reptiles and mammals, including critically endangered species such as the Gaurial and the South Asian River Dolphin. The Ganges is most sacred river in to, to Hindus and is worshipped as the goddess Ganja in Hinduism. The Ganges is threatened by severe pollution. This poses a danger not only to humans but also to animals. The level of fecal coliform bacteria from human waste in some areas of the river are more than 100 times the Indian government's official limit. The Ganja Action Plan, an environmental initiative to clean up the river, has been considered a failure which is variously attributed to corruption, a lack of will in the government, poor technical expertise, poor environmental planning, and a lack of support from religious authorities. Quite a sad story for the Ganges, the holiest of rivers in India. I'm just realizing now that this is the second Indian-themed question of this round, so I guess uh, I guess we're learning a lot about India today. Uh, moving on to question number six. This one includes India, but is not about India. It's actually about the universe. Question number six, what is the name for the radiation that fills all space in the observable universe? 
And the name for that radiation is the cosmic microwave background. The cosmic microwave background, or CMB for short, is a microwave radiation that fills all space in the observable universe. It is a remnant that provides an important source of data on the primordial universe. With a standard optical telescope, the background space between stars and galaxy is almost completely dark. However, a sufficiently sensitive radio telescope detects a faint background glow that is almost uniform and is not associated with any star, galaxy, or other object. This glow is strongest in the microwave region of the radio spectrum. The accidental discovery of the CMB in 1965 by American radio astronomers Arno Penzias and Robert Wilson was the culmination of work initiated in the 1940s. The CMB is landmark evidence of the Big Bang theory for the origin of the universe, the Big Bang cos cosmological models during the earliest periods the universe was filled with an opaque fog of dense, hot plasma of subatomic particles. As the universe expanded, this plasma cooled to the point where protons and electrons combined to form neutral atoms of mostly hydrogen. Now, unlike plasma, these atoms could not scatter thermal radiation by Thomson scattering, and so the universe became transparent. Known as the recombination epoch, this decoupling event released photons to travel freely through space, sometimes referred to as relic radiation. However, the photons have grown less energetic since the expansion of space, and this causes their wavelengths to increase. So again, going back all that space, all that space in the observable universe, it is in fact filled with something, something called the cosmic microwave background a radiation left over from the Big Bang. Moving on to question number seven. What is the scientific name for the gray wolf, one of the most widely distributed land mammals on Earth? And that scientific name is Canis lupus. Canis lupus, or the gray wolf, is a large canine native to Eurasia and North America. More than 30 subspecies of Canis lupus have been recognized, including the dog and dingo, though gray wolves, as popularly understood, only comprise naturally occurring wild subspecies. The wolf is the largest extent member of the family can canid, and is further distinguished from other Canis species by its less pointed ears and muzzle, as well as a shorter torso and longer tail. The wolf is nonetheless related closely to smaller Canis species, such as the coyote and golden jackal, so much so that they're able to produce fertile hybrids with them. The wolf's fur is usually, <clears throat> is usually molted white, brown, gray and black, although subspecies in the Arctic region may be nearly all white. Of all members of the genus Canis, the wolf is most special, specialized for cooperative game hunting as demonstrated by its physical adaptations to tackle large prey. Its more social nature and its highly advanced expressive behavior, including individual or group howling. 
it travels in nuclear families consisting of a mated pair accompanied by their offspring. Offspring may leave to form their own pack on the onset of sexual maturity and in response to competition for food within the pack. Wolves are also territorial, and fights over territory are among the principal causes of mortality. The global wild wolf population was estimated to be around 300,000 in 2003 and is considered to be of least concern by the International Union for Conservation of Nature. I personally live in the states of Minnesota in the United States, where we have the uh, the largest wolf population in the U.S. outside of Alaska. I think we have somewhere around about 3,000 wolves, if I'm not mistaken. It's quite fun to see them in the wild. But uh, next time I see them, I'll know that it is Canis lupus. Moving on to question number eight. Who painted the famous artwork, Las Maninas? And that famous painter was Diego Velazquez. Las Meninas, which is Spanish for the ladies in waiting, is a, is a 1656 painting in the Museo del Prado in Madrid by Diego Velazquez, the leading artist of the Spanish Golden Age. It has become one of the most widely analyzed works in Western painting due to the way its complex and enigmatic com composition raises questions about reality and illusion and the uncertain relationship it creates between the viewer and the figures depicted. The painting is believed by F.J. Sanchez Canton to depict a room in the Royal Alcazar of Madrid during the reign of King Philip IV of Spain and presents several figures most identifiable from the Spanish court captured in a particular moment as if in a snapshot. Some of the figures look out of the canvas towards the viewer, while others interact amongst themselves. The five-year-old Infanta Margaret Teresa is surrounded by her entourage of maids of honor, chaperone, bodyguard, two dwarfs, and a dog. Just behind them, Velazquez portrays himself working at a large canvas. Velazquez is looking outwards beyond the pictorial space where a viewer of the painting would stand. In the background, there is a mirror that reflects the upper bodies of the king and queen, and they appear to be placed outside of the picture space in a position similar to that of the viewer, although some scholars have speculated that their image is in fact a reflection of the painting Velazquez is shown working on. In any case, Las Minas, one of the most important arts of work in Western painting, Painted by Diego Velazquez. Moving on to question number nine. Which composer is known for his Symphony No. 9 in D minor, also called Choral Symphony, which includes the famous Ode to Joy movement? And that composer was Ludwig van Beethoven. The Symphony No. 9 in D minor is a choral symphony, the final complete symphony by Ludwig van Beethoven, composed between 1822 and 1824. It was first performed in Vienna on the 7th of May, 1824. 
The symphony is regarded by many critics and music musicologists as Beethoven's masterpiece and one of the supreme achievements in the history of music. One of the best-known works in common practice music, it stands as one of the most frequently performed symphonies in the entire world. The Ninth was the first example of a major composer using voices in a symphony. The final or fourth movement of the symphony features four vocal soloists and a chorus in the parallel modulated key, D major. The text was adapted from the Ode to Joy, a poem written by Friedrich Schiller, in 1785 and revised in 1803 with additional text written by Beethoven himself. In 2001, Beethoven's original handwritten manuscript of the score, held by the Berlin State Library, was added to the Memory of the World Program Heritage List established by the United Nations, becoming the first musical score so designated. I actually went back and I listened to quite a bit of Symphony Number no. Nine, and uh, I agree, it is one of uh, it is a fine piece of work, and I do like Ode to Joy. I'm sure many of you would recognize it yourselves. So, Ludwig van Beethoven, the composer of Symphony Number no. Nine, and a new personal favorite of mine, I think. Moving on to our last question of the day, question number ten: Which Eastern European country was historically known as? The Land of the White Eagle. And that country was Poland. The nickname Land of the White Eagle refers to the Polish coat of arms, which features a crowned eagle with a golden beak and talons on a red background. According to a legend, the White Eagle emblem originated when Poland's legendary founder Lesz saw a white eagle's nest. When he looked at the bird, a ray of sunshine from the red setting sun fell on its wings, so they appeared tipped in gold, although the rest of the eagle was still pure white. The symbol of an eagle appeared for the first time on coins made during the reign of Boleslaw, about 992 to 1025 initially as the coat of arms of the Pious Dynasty. Beginning in the 12th century, the eagle has appeared on the shields, insignias, coins, and seals of the Pious Dukes. It appeared on the Polish coat of arms during Premzel's II reign as a re reminder of the Pious tradition before the fragmentation of Poland. After World War II, the communist authorities of the Polish People's Republic removed the reactionary royal crown from the eagle's head, Still, Poland was one of the few countries in the Eastern Bloc with no communist symbols that would be red stars, ears of wheat, hammers, sickles, etc. on either its flag or its coat of arms. The crownless design was approved by resolution in 1955. To counter that, the Polish government in exile introduced a new emblem with a cross added atop the crown. After the fall of communism in 1989, the crown came back, but without the cross. Well, that will that will conclude this round of my daily trivia. If you found this round to be simple, congratulations. It's as hard as we get. However, if you found this round to be a bit of a challenge, well, I encourage you to check in again on Monday. It's going to be the easiest round of the week. We start on Monday and get progressively harder throughout the week. As always, we encourage you to tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone about your, about this show. We're always trying to grow the community here at My Daily Trivia. 
And last but not least, I want to thank each of you for listening to my daily trivia. I'm your host, Danny, and I will see you on Monday.